Hello, Canada and baseball fans in the United States and Newfoundland. And yes, we did steal that line from Hockey Night in Canada. My name is Clayton Croker, and I'm drinking. And uh, welcome to episode four of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. Today's episode is titled Gritchick is Daddy. Who's your daddy, Justin? Who's your daddy? Randall Gritchick is, in fact, my daddy. To my left, it is Justin Brett Laurie Fan Club Vice President <laughs> Anderson. How you doing, buddy? Founder and CEO of that fan club, actually. The Cement Head Fan Club. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, joining us via Skype, of course, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Patrick, the maritime mistress maker, Marsh. I didn't have time to think of another nickname for you, buddy. That Plus, that good. one's too good. That's the maritime mistress maker. Yeah, I feel like, well, my girlfriend probably won't appreciate it as much as we do. But, yeah, I like it. That or, like, something cool, like the Beast from the East. Mm. I like that. That's too You can't come up with your own nickname, though. No, if you give yourself your own nickname. You know what? We don't even want people listening to this podcast if they gave themselves their own nickname. We don't want fans like that. So if you gave yourself your own nickname, just stop listening right now. Our SoundCloud numbers are going to drop by half this week. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, On today's episode, we're going to recap last week because the uh, Jays, eh, pretty medium when it comes to results. Classic Jays. Uh, as always, Patrick has a big rant coming up because he always does. We got uh, a good edition of Sorry Not Sorry again today. Advanced stats with Professor Anderson over here. Holy nerd fest today. It's going to be awesome. We got the farm report today too because I don't know if you've been paying attention, but our farm team's actually pretty good. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Oh boy. Uh, we'll go right. over some trade rumors and then we'll also talk about shitting our pants. Uh, it's literally going to be a little bit of everything today. Uh, let's start out here with uh, last week's Jays. They uh, got the split against the Braves. Uh, didn't do too good in Anaheim, but in Houston the other day, looking good. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you. What did you see from the uh, Jays this week? Some positives, some negatives? Yeah, I just want to point out that I believe it was last week's episode that I, I, I predicted a split in both of the series against mm-hmm. the, the, the Braves and the Angels. So it wasn't looking too good after the first couple of games of that Angels series, but the boys turned it around. Um, the thing that we had touched on was that they needed good starting pitching. And for the most part, I mean, we, we did get that minus the 11 to four game and the eight to five game in LA. We mm-hmm. had some good starting pitching. I mean, um, Stroman was really good on, on a Saturday in his return. I think he went five and a third or just five innings even, but he struck out five and only walked one batter. So, uh, he looked pretty good in his return. And I mean the bats have been kind of inconsistent. I mean we had we had a couple of games where we've, we've, we've where we've scored five runs, and that's kind of our magic number for for winning. Uh, so if they can continue to score some runs like that and hit hit the long ball, that's what we're living and dying by the home run right now, mm-hmm. which is like you always say, classic Jays. Yeah, we're not playing much small ball, but that's not to be that's to be expected when you have guys like uh, Hernandez who. Um, just swings to the fences every time up, but I love that about him. He's Patrick, great. what did you see uh, negative about the Jays? Did you see anything that concerned you over the past week? Uh, nothing that we're not used to at this point. I know that sucks to say, but we're just kind of hardened by this miserable season. I'm. I kind of more want to talk about like the positive stuff. Um, obviously, Randall Grichuk is the man, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But it's nice to see Kendris Morales doing work, Jay Happ doing work, Ryan Tapera doing work, and even like Teoscar Hernandez is out there crushing the ball too. Mm-hmm. It's just it's nice to see that bats are starting to like come around. And props to Justin, he called it. We got two splits, and then we picked up the win in Houston last night, which is a huge deal because they're basically the best team in the American League. So I don't really, I don't want to think too much about the negatives about this team anymore because there's just so many of them. I just kind of want to see the silver lining, which is some of our guys that we have, uh, you know, who are going to be on the team next year are performing adequate to well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's yeah. let's talk about that Houston game because again, big six three win from the boys. Uh, everyone's talking about Randall Grichuk's catch. Uh, when I first watched it, uh, the score had the caption under it: 
catch of the year question mark and after seeing it twice i was like no way just your classic you know reaching up at the fence and robbing a home run but then i watched it a couple more times that is a filthy catch because he got, he, up, there. He got up there like most at the fence catches yeah. you know it's just barely heading over that was gone by a little bit and he got <laughs> up there and just took it away i like the attitude that he had when he was taking it away yeah. from the fans like no um we've been talking about randall a lot on the show uh i'm just going to go through last 30 games here uh seven home runs 19 rbi the big stat for me, seven walks, because early in the season, this guy was striking out a ton. He had mm-hmm. no vision at the plate. Seven walks, I mean, it's not great, but it's getting better. Uh, his average is at 247 over those last 30 games. I mean, his first seven games, we don't even want to talk about it, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, has Randall Grichuk shown enough for you to maybe say, hey, don't trade this guy, don't give up on him, maybe he could be a part of our future? Uh, Patrick, you go up. Yep, definitely. Mm -hmm. The last 30 games are enough for me to say this is the real Randall Grichuk. I don't think that this is his ceiling, but dude's got pop in his bat, Mm -hmm. and he's starting to draw walks. He's doing exactly the the fundamental things that we have previously been, you know, complaining about the Jays players not doing at the plate. If he can keep it up. If he kind of had a season that was based off of his last 30 games stretched stretched out, that's exactly the kind of corner outfielder we want to have on this team in the future. And it looks to me like if Grichuk can stabilize, get that batting average up a little bit more, because it's kind of been up and down in the last you know 30 games. If he can stabilize that, I really like him as a corner outfielder. Yeah, and I think you mentioned his ceiling is this isn't it, but I think we've definitely seen his floor of how far he, down he was in uh, in April. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's a guy that one day he'll look real good, and the next day it looks like he's kind of lost out there. But there's been more good days than bad recently, and and like you said, I think the corner outfielder thing is is huge. Like you you need your corner outfielders to produce offensively, and and he's done that. I mean, the seven home runs are are proof enough alone that he's he's at least hitting the ball his slugging percentage is up um and just pr- just producing we need we need somebody behind smoke and i guess morales now and salarte in there too that that's providing us with some pop this year uh having those four guys who are legitimate home run threats every time they come up that's big for the middle of the order it's the secondary hitting that is going to be big for the Jays. Not this year, because again, we're mm-hmm. basically done this year, but for <laughs> next year, because when the Jays were making the playoffs a few years ago and we were mashing the baseball, it was, you know, the big guys, Josh Donaldson, Edwin, Jose, but it was those secondary guys, you know? And that's what the Jays have been missing yeah. this year. And Grichik is one of those secondary guys that has been playing really, really well. Uh, let's look to the uh, week ahead, shall we? Because we got to close out this series against Houston. We got two more games left. Then we got a four game series against Detroit. We play the Mets and Joey Bats after that. Um, I'm just going to go first here. I don't think we're going to beat Houston these next two games. I think we blew our wad uh, the first game, <laughs> and we're not going to win these next two games. I'm calling that we sweep Detroit. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Jays get a little hot before the All-Star break and sweep Detroit and then maybe make some noise against the Mets, who are the most unpredictable team in baseball. But um, I just think that, I don't know, the Jays are looking good. You you get a good confidence boost after beating a team like Houston, even if you do lose the next couple games. But uh, what do you guys think this week ahead? Are we going to see any big moves from the Jays? Maybe some trades? Maybe some call-ups? Or Justin, bud? Well, we're calling up Ryan Baraki to start tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting choice. I actually wrote a piece for a website saying that I wanted Sean Reed fully to be the guy that would come up. Give yourself a shameless plug. What website yeah, was that? shameless plug. Uh, six-man rotation. Patrick and I both right there. There you go. Uh, that's kind of how this whole podcast came to be in a sense. But with, in terms of Baraki, I mean, he's a ground ball pitcher, which which we do like. He's not going to strike out a ton of guys. His capes per nine is under seven. Um, walks are around three this year in AAA. He started 13 games. He's 6-5. and five. Um, His ERA is 327. His FIP is a little bit higher, over 4. Uh, whereas Reed Foley started in um, New Hampshire this season before getting called up to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And his ERA in Buffalo is a little bit higher, but his FIP is actually lower than Baraki. So all things considered, if they had the same outcome on their balls and play, yada, 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 Reed Foley's actually been the better pitcher this year. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that Sean would get the call for this game. Um, and he's a right-handed batter, and Houston, or right-handed pitcher, and Houston tends to mash lefties a bit. So I'm a little bit 
nervous about that tonight with Rocky being called up, but we will see how that goes. All right, Patrick, um, what are your predictions here? And what do you think about uh, the Jose Batista? Is that game in Detroit or is it in New York? In Toronto, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's in, in Detroit, it's, I'm yeah. reckoning. Is We're, it in Toronto it's in or tr- is it in New York? It's in Toronto, So yeah. the return of Joey Bats, how do you think that's going to go and how do you think the rest of the week's going to go too? Okay, well, starting with Houston, I agree with you, Clayton. I think we are probably toast for the next two games. Houston is just too good. There's no chance that you know they're they're going to let the Jays walk away with a series win or even a sweep. So you know I I, I made peace with that. We got the big win. I, I'm happy about that. Um, as far as Detroit goes, it, it would be great if we swept them. But at the same time, that means we start flirting with 500, and then, you know, the the zeitgeist on social media is going to start saying, oh, well, they're at close to 500. Maybe the season's not over, and I, I want everyone to just sort of take this season as a, lo- a loss, a sunk cost, and just enjoy watching individual players play mm-hmm. and say goodbye to the ones that we are eventually going to deal out. I'm going to say, bold prediction, after the New York Mets series, we're going to be one game under 500. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very bold strategy, but that's what I'm saying is probably going to happen. As for the uh, the call-up, I think it's great that Ryan Brucky's coming up. I do agree with Justin and, and the piece that he wrote uh, for SMR earlier this week, saying that it should have been uh, Sean Reed Foley. Uh, if only because is he rocking the the porn stash he still? He's got he the really beautiful, is. beautiful porn stash right now. Ned Flanders esque. Yes. <laughs> he's he's twenty two years old and he can already rock a better mustache than me. So I say call him up, give him the ball, see what happens. Yeah. What's the worst that happens? He yeah. gets rocked around and he's in the back, but he's gonna get sent back anyway. So I mean He's risen from double exactly. already this year. You might as well give him a shot and see where his development really is. Because before this year, Sean Reed Foley hadn't done a ton to show that he was ready for the next level. Uh, and neither has Ryan Baraki. So, I mean, in a sense, they're they're giving a guy a call. Like, Baraki went from high A all the way to triple A last season. So he, he, ro- he rose pretty quickly last year. Um, pitched well enough to do so. So, I mean, it, it's a case of evaluating somebody, a lefty, which is very valuable. We've touched on that before. So, I mean, let's, let's give him a shot. I'm all for it. Um, would have preferred Reed Foley, but, I mean, Baraki looks like he's going to be an okay guy, too. Shout out, though, to Jose Batista, who everybody said <laughs> was done, including me. Yeah. But the dude was done. You know what his on-base percentage is in New York right now? Go on. Because, let's face it, Atlanta was <laughs> the equivalent of his spring training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his on-base percentage... With the Mets, is 0. .460. That's not bad. That's all right. Dude yeah. draws walks. I wish we had somebody on the team who could draw walks as good as Jose Batista does. He has one of the best eyes at the plate. And, I mean, yeah, he's he's done. And whatever is happening in New York is special. And it'll be great to see him in town. Mm-hmm. But, man, do he... Does he have something left, or is this just sort of like, I don't know, Jose some sort of like yeah. I mean, last-second magic? He's going to draw walks. That's what's what he does. He's 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 one of the on-base kings. I mean, he's he's Russell Martin right now, but with power. Like, Russell Martin's still drawing walks, but he can't hit the damn ball. Whereas Bautista's still got four dingers in, uh, what has he played so far this season? 43 games. So, I mean, he's not mashing the ball like he used to but he could still connect i mean we've seen a couple of home runs on the highlight films and and the stat i talked about last week uh, wrc plus league average is 100 he's at 131 right now so he's wow. he's a, over a positive player in limited time with the mets he's not starting there but he's getting a decent amount of playing time um so he's he's contributing and that's all the Mets were looking for when they signed him. So I think this is his Frank Thomas with Oakland season. Yeah. He's going to approve it a little bit, <laughs> and a team's going to give him a big two-year contract, and then He'll next year he's going to do nothing. Uh, let's get uh, ranting, shall we? Patrick, uh, today's rants, uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be a uh, pretty debatable topic here, but a pretty important one. So, Patrick, rant away, good sir. Okay, so uh, before I get started, just an introduction to the format. The way that that, uh, this one works is that 
I'm going to deal with hypotheticals or serious topics uh, that are floating around MLB, specifically around the Jays. Uh, last week, it was a what if. This week, the topic is a pretty heavy one, and it's all about Roberto Osuna. So strap yourselves in. Uh, I've got a little bit to say on the matter, and then we can kind of talk about it after the fact. But uh, I think everyone can, generally speaking, appreciate the message that I have at the end of this. So without further ado, here we go. After weeks of waiting, Toronto Blue Jays fans finally got some news regarding Roberto Osuna. On June 22nd, it was announced that Osuna had been suspended 75 games by MLB retroactive to May 8th in accordance with the Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy. Uh, this would be an unpaid suspension, although Osuna had been on paid administrative leave since his arrest. Meanwhile, Osuna would return to court on July 9th while facing the assault charge. He intends to plead not guilty. Uh, Blue Jays manager John Gibbons spoke to the media saying uh, a little more than the following. Uh, this is all via ESPN. These are quotes that they had on their website. I don't have much of a reaction other than you take what MLB does and trust that and live with that and let it go through its course. We knew something was coming down. Actually, it took a while. Hopefully, it all gets worked out on both sides and everyone gets the help they need and everything works out fine. When Gibby was asked about uh, whether it was better enough for the Jays to now know the length of the penalty, uh, Gibby just said, I guess that helps. We've kind of moved past that anyway and may do with what we've had. So take that for what you will. The question moving forward is, what happens when Roberto Suna's suspension is over? Uh, it is clear that the trade deadline is going to pass well before the suspension is done, meaning that Osuna will likely remain affiliated with the team at least past the deadline. There's no real timetable for his return to baseball, uh, as well as a verdict in the courtroom. Uh, the revelations of this case are undoubtedly going to have an impact on Osuna's career trajectory, uh, which is disappointing. Uh, it is unfortunate that a young ball player who was once assumed to be a superstar on the Blue Jays may not have a future with the team or potentially in baseball. More importantly, it's time for us to have a talk about shedding uh, the notion that celebrities and athletes are idols that we should strive to emulate. Like us regular people, pop culture idols are capable of making mistakes. It's clear that Roberto Osuna has made some in the past. Uh, this isn't the first time that his name has come up associated with criminal activity, and we can talk about the rest of that after the fact once I'm done the rant here. Um, but as a society, we need to acknowledge that athletes like Osuna are capable of doing horrible things, some of which cannot be forgiven. I won't pretend to know Osuna personally, nor can I put myself in the shoes of someone else responsible for what he allegedly did. I also can't claim I know whether he did it or whether he didn't do it. It's disappointing that there are people on social media prepared to condemn or protect him before he's had his day in court. If you want to know more about MLB's policy and how it might affect Osuna, Fangraphs actually has a great piece up right now all about the Osuna case from a baseball perspective and the shortcomings of the current joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. For my part, I think it goes without saying that domestic violence is wrong and it is important that we as a society do what we can to support victims of domestic abuse. Here in Canada, we have the Victim Services Directory, uh, or the VSD. It was created uh, by the Policy Center for Victim Issues of the Department of Justice Canada to help service providers, victims, and individuals locate services for victims of crime across Canada. If you need help, please reach out through the, this directory, which you can find through a quick Google search. All you need is your postal code and the directory will help you find the resources you need to get help. You can also find numerous websites through endingviolencecanada.org uh, for each province. Uh, to victims of domestic violence, please know that you're not alone and that there are people out there ready and able to help you find a better life uh, that is violence-free. So I do apologize that this is a heavy topic, and normally we wouldn't be dealing with something as heavy-handed as domestic violence on this podcast, but uh, I think it goes without saying that Roberto Suna was a very popular player in Toronto, and he may still be, depending on the verdict, 
uh, of the case. But what do you guys have to say about this topic? Well, I'm just super bummed out now. So <laughs> sorry. I don't know. Um, I'd say just Roberto's got to sit out the rest of the year, even if he's eligible to play the end of the year. Just sit it out. No matter what the verdict is, just sit out this year. Work everything out in the off season. See. Uh, See how it kind of turns out, but I just think uh, I think Roberto's done. Um, I I don't know. Again, I don't know him personally. I don't know the story. I don't know if he was right. I don't know if he was wrong. But I got this hunch where he's been super super quiet about it. He hasn't been super animate that it wasn't him and stuff like that. It's just uh, it just doesn't look good for him. I don't know why. Uh, I got that gut feeling that uh, he just I don't know. I, uh, it's again, it's a tough topic to talk about. I'm a very silly guy, as you guys can tell. So when it comes to serious topics like this, um, it, it's not my forte. It's not my wheelhouse, if you will. So uh, I just think that, you know what, Roberto Osuna, I just think that uh, he should be done as a J. That's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen cases in the MLB recently with Eraldis Chapman and also Jose Reyes um, in domestic violence cases. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think Chapman strangled or choked his girlfriend and shot some yeah. bullets into their garage mm-hmm. wall. So, I mean, that uh, uh, I can't speak to the extent of Roberto's uh, current predicament, but, I mean, that's pretty serious, firing a gun in the vicinity and that kind of thing. Yeah. And he's still pitching mm-hmm. in the big leagues, and his suspension wasn't as long, and neither was Jose Reyes's. So, I think the MLB is kind of trying to set a precedent now. It seems like every time one of these suspensions is handed out, it's it gets longer, um, which is a good thing i mean it's it's we, we talk about steroid suspensions all the time but this is a this this it has a bigger effect on people's well-being and that kind of thing so i mean i, I take it a little bit more seriously i mean steroids are what they are people are going to use them they're out there um but domestic violence is definitely something that's uh should be avoidable and mm-hmm. prevented more so so i mean i i'm kind of with clayton on this um the rest of the season is probably what we'll see happen with Osuna. I mean, even if his case is resolved by the time the suspension is over, you might see the Jays just put him on a team suspension through mm-hmm. the end of the season just yeah. to avoid the uh, the negative publicity or maybe positive if he's found not guilty. Who knows? Um, any sort of story that could come out of this, they might just try and avoid that sort of spotlight and deal with it in the offseason when the, when the prying eyes of the media aren't so squarely focused on the team yeah there's there's one other thing too that we have to consider uh with regards to baseball in this case because we can't really say very much about the court case until it's happened and there's been a verdict but if he is uh found guilty and then sentenced uh there is a possibility that he might not even be able to get a visa so that he can work in the united states right which obviously would have a dramatic impact on uh, his employment with any MLB team, let alone Toronto. Mm -hmm. So there are so many different layers to this story. And I just think it's really important uh, that MLB sets a good precedent when it comes to domestic violence. And it's sort of frustrating that this... <clears throat> this new policy that they have, or newer policy that they have, the one that I mentioned before, the uh, Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy, I think it's relatively new. And the fact that the suspensions continue to get more severe, it makes me wonder, you know, looking back, was the Chapman suspension a mistake? Like, should it have been longer or more severe? Or what about the Jose Reyes situation? If it just keeps getting worse and worse, and then we start comparing them to each other, I feel like a lot of the real message is going to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, And that's the last thing I'm going to say this week about Osuna and this whole issue, because I really, uh, there's nothing we can do about it at this point. It sucks. Um, It's really unfortunate that a career might potentially get cut short. Uh, But even more important and worse than that, is that there's somebody out there who had to experience domestic violence like that and may not have uh, all the proper avenues to turn to as far as getting out and getting help. So it was kind of nice to see Gibby just kind of pass something uh, off saying like, you know, we hope that everything works out and, and everything is worked out on both sides. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to get out there. If you guys have any insight on, on what Gibby had to say, or maybe it was just sort of 
him towing the line that he needed to tow. I, I think that's the case. I, I, I don't think Gibby probably has anything um, meaningful to contribute, so he's probably just keeping his mouth shut. I mean, he's it's the, it's out of our hands now. It's in the court's the court's hands, so he's got to let them resolve it when, when the time comes. Can we talk about baseball yeah. again? Yeah, like, is that, uh, can we yes. move on? Like, yeah. this is, like, the saddest 15 minutes in podcast history here. <laughs> I know it's an important topic, but, uh, yeah. again, the sad, no, stories, the sad stories and important debate issues. Again, this is a very, very important debate. That's... It's not for me. I like to be silly. I like to joke around. That's why we're uh, doing this next one up here. Uh, sorry, not sorry. We have to apologize to some players, and then we have to do the opposite of apologize to players. We yeah. have to roast them. Um, who do we have to apologize today first there, Justin? Well, we're not really apologizing to Kendris Morales. I mean, we talked about him last time that he was playing much, much better, um, and he's continuing to do that. I mean, he's he's kind of raking right now, so to speak. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> Kendris, he kind of he bugs me sometimes because I mean the guy just looks like what's he doing? Like uh, he swings at a lot of weird pitches. Like he struck out a couple times last night on just waving at the ball, runners in scoring position. And then he'll come up the next night and be clutch as all hell and hit that home run the top of the ninth against the Angels to help us win the game. So I mean he, he he's doing things, and I mean. I was, I said to my sister all the time, like Kendris did a thing, mm-hmm. and, and he's doing things right now. So I mean, as, as long as he keeps to produce some runs for us, I'm I'm not apologizing, but I'm not gonna roast the guy. You anymore. seem very timid about it, though. You're yeah. not saying it with conviction, you know. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, you know. It's not, I don't I don't feel as strongly about apologizing to Kendris Morales as I did about Devin Travis last week. So I'd say you would because Kendris has been killing it. I know he's been a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. But suns out, guns out. Kendris <laughs> has been fantastic. This is the player that we thought we were going to get last year to replace yeah. Edwin. And yes, he has been very, very, very inconsistent. Three varies, but uh, he has been clutch a few times. And compared to the other players that we picked up since our playoff days, uh, he hasn't been doing terrible. He's definitely been picking it up, and yes, we got to apologize to him. Uh, next up for Patrick, uh, Randall Grichik, daddy. Um, I'll let you apologize to him, bud. Dear Randall Grichik, I'm writing to you today to let you know that I'm sorry, and I love you. And thank you for taking the time to fix your swing and hopefully get your batting average above 200 to make you a more serviceable corner outfielder and keep drawing walks, keep hitting dongs, and uh, hopefully next year you're off to a better start. But I am sorry. That's it. <laughs> that was really creepy at the start. I'm glad it turned around so... at the end there because I thought you were going to like, <laughs> like, I love your body, I love your smell or something like that. But uh, <laughs> all right, I'm glad yeah, that went well, that he's, way. He's hitting 279 this Exactly. Month, so uh, I don't have go. to apologize to this next guy. I think this is you two, but I'll apologize to the guy after this. Uh, yeah. Jay Happ. I don't need to apologize to Jay Happ. I've been pumping his tires since we started this podcast. I think he's great. Uh, but if you guys want to apologize for something you guys did. No, I mean, I'm not sorry Jay Happ because I haven't said anything about him either. Um, the point of him being in this this section is that we don't have to be sorry to Jay Happ because he's, he's awesome. Why isn't he in the next part then? Uh, that The next part says who was bad. Clayton. Oh, gotcha. You're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so we're definitely not sorry to this to this badass of a man. I, I mean, he, he's... He I held, am. He held, yeah, I'm you, you I'm sorry. Be. I mean, he held the Astros to three runs last night over six innings, and that's respectable against the best team in baseball. Patrick, you have to you have to apologize to Jay. Yes, I'm sorry, Jay Hap. You're probably going to get traded before the deadline, which means we're going to have to sign you for a third time. Please don't be mad, because you're the most valuable player on our team, and probably our only All Star. Exactly. If if the time yep. comes where he's still on the team by then. So, so it's more of a sorry. We're probably gonna have to trade you yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this last guy, I definitely have to apologize to him, uh, Ryan Tapera. I'm sorry, Ryan Tapera. Uh, I really called you. I called you a vanilla baseball player. I called him the generic baseball player you make on MVP Baseball, where you're too <laughs> bored to set up all the settings. You just you know create the guy and don't do anything. That's what I called Ryan Tapera. He's just he's a very middle of the road baseball player. Uh, he hasn't been over the past couple weeks. The Jays bullpen in general has been an absolute dumpster fire, but Ryan Tapera has been very very solid. Uh, we've been very very critical of Ryan Tapera, but I think me more than you guys. So Ryan Tapera. I know you're listening right now. Um, I'm very, very sorry, good sir. 
Yeah, that's that's all we have to say about Ryan. He's gonna get traded too, but there's that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're sorry about that as much as we are about how we've talked about this before. Maybe. Exactly. Okay, who are we not sorry to? Um, first up, Patrick. I'll let you have this one. Good old Jaime Garcia. Ugh. Listen, I knew so little about him before we we signed him, and then I was so hopeful after those first couple of starts. And now, like, it's not, I'm not glad he's injured, okay? I'm not glad he's injured. But if he happens to take a little bit of time off so we're not starting him, <laughs> that's okay with me. Because he's like, and that's, he was known for keeping the ball down in the zone. Like, that was his big thing before he came to the Jays. Oh, he keeps the ball down, he keeps the ball down. He's not keeping the ball down. So if you're not doing the one thing that you promised beforehand, I mean, like, you can't you can't really expect too much out of him, and you got to give him a little bit of pressure too. Yep. Uh, the he's mo- starting to make Joe Biagini look good, and yeah. that's a problem. Hey, it's never good. He's, looking, hey, he's making we're, Josh we're, Towers look good. We're not that far yet. Yeah, we're pretty close. Like, at least Francisco Liriano last year could actually, like, you know, handle himself on the mound. He had a couple bad starts here or there, but Jaime's just, he's consistently bad. There's never that one really good start. That's not good. Uh, the bullpen. Eesh. Justin, you take it away. Yeah. These guys, in May, we, the bullpen was kind of the talk of the team. They were keeping us in games when our starting pitchers were brutal, and we flip-flopped this month. This month has been the month of the starting pitcher. And the bullpen has decided that, hey, it's our turn to take a break. And spoiler alert, bullpens, you can't take a break because you're coming into high leverage situations when the game is either on the line, hopefully, or completely out of reach when you're trying to be like, hey, get get us some innings here. And they haven't been able to do either of those things. We've been giving up leads, giving up a lot of home runs. And, I mean, outside of Tapera and, I mean... Oh God! Oh God! Saved by Gertrick last night yep. in that ninth inning, um, or else he would have a very bad ERA as well because he would have given up three there. So I mean, they're getting some help from their friends, which is what you have to do. But when you're when you're putting the balls in play and they're going over the fence, you can't expect Randall Gertrick to climb the fence every time. You exactly. Bring back. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, good good on you, Ryan Tapera, for holding the bullpen together. But the rest of you guys need to pick your stuff up. All right, let's get to uh, Kevin Pilar here. Um, I'm gonna let you guys uh, yeah. chirp him because I, I never talk about this one. Yeah, I yeah. never have. Oh, we'll let Patrick go first, and then you can. Okay, we sharing is caring. Okay, bud, can't just hog the Actually, podcast the whole so time. Things to say. I don't want to chirp I, I, Kevin Pilar at all because I mean I know you guys are all about the stats. You look at all the stats and see that's how a baseball player is doing. You know, oh, he's not hitting well, he's not fielding well, so that means he's not playing well. Um, with Kevin Pilar, Kevin will always mo- make those huge diving catches in the most critical of situations to get the momentum on their side. You don't have any fancy stats for momentum, good sir. Momentum you cannot keep track of, and Kevin Pillar is king of the momentum. So, yes, he may be an average guy at the plate. I mean, he's still not bad. He's not average at the plate. And he's, and he's not having, like, you know, the best, like, defending season like he's used to. Yeah. But, again, he'll always make those huge ju- diving catches, sacrificing his body for the boys. So that's why I can't say anything bad about Kevin Pillar. My issue with Kevin Pillar on defense is that He's just not very fast, so he's making a lot of diving catches that he shouldn't have to be making. But the reason he's making it is because he can't get to the ball in time. Um, they did a couple things on StatCast a little while ago where they, they kind of superimposed Kevin Pillar and Kevin Kiermeyer of the Rays onto the kind of like the same type of plays. And Kiermeyer is like light years, light speed compared mm-hmm. to compared to Pilar. Um And I'll talk a bit about his defense here. I mean, there's a stat called Ultimate Zone Rating, UZR, that kind of factors in uh things like range arm strength and route running and all that fancy stuff and kevin plar had a great 2016 but since then like he's now this year rated as a negative defender in terms of uzr so he's actually hindering the team on defense as a center fielder um, that's not great i still believe we've touched on it before when we talked about uh, kind of our batting prospects like anthony alford that I believe Kevin Pillar is going to be a corner outfielder next season, hmm. and Anthony Alford will be our starting center fielder because he is fast and he makes the plays look easy. And also at the plate, Kevin Pillar is not a serviceable major league batter. I mean, since the start of May, he's batting 207, and that stat Ugh. I talked about last week, WRC Plus, he's got a 47. So he's not even worth, he's not even worth half of an average major league player right now, <laughs> offensively. 
and also I guess you could say that he defense. is half the man he used to be. <laughs> and I noticed tonight we've got him batting fifth. Why is he bat- Why is Kevin Pillar batting fifth tonight when he has a 207 average in the last two months? John Gibbons, what are you doing? Because intangibles, probably. Ugh. The intangibles that Clayton was talking about. And the thing is, I'm in Camp Clayton on this one, but at the same time, I think Kevin Pillar will be a starting center, center fielder next season mm. with a different team. Yeah, numbers don't lie. Yeah, it's it, it just this is a reality. This is the new Kevin Pillar. Yep. He doesn't have that quick step that he used to have, or maybe he never had it. He is a poor man's Kevin Kiermeyer, and not to poop on him too hard, but you know, you gotta you gotta take some pitches, man. You're swinging at everything, <laughs> everything. Uh, yeah. I think somebody put Kryptonite out in center field because he's not looking very super this year. The fans like him. The boys like him. You need that kind of guy in the locker room. It's not all about stats, fellas. Well, it's not we can all put about him stats. on the bench and you can help from there. Uh, let's get uh, to these <laughs> next three guys here. Uh, let's lump them all together and be quick. Uh, Jan Jervis yeah. Salarte and Justin Smoke are both slumping, but are mm-hmm. we surprised that guys like this are slumping because of their swings? Uh, maybe not so much Justin Smoke. His swing's gotten a little bit more fluid, but mm-hmm. I mean, Salarte's swing, he's going to slump when he gives it 110% literally every time he swings the bat. So yeah. he's going to, it's going to be all about timing with him same with justin smoke a little bit he still kicks a little bit but uh are you guys surprised or shocked that these two are something uh salarte not so much we saw at the start of the season him playing kind of out of his ability with the amount of home runs he's still hitting home runs on on occasion for us which is what he's gonna do i mean he's gonna break his career high i think he's three away now um from that and we're not even halfway through the season um but he's doing what we need. He's our utility infielder right now, and he's providing us with some pop. He's lead, I think he's still leading the team in RBI um, and providing us with some defensive stability at third base currently because Josh Donaldson is pretty much dead at this point. Uh, and Smokey, he, he's been kind of off all season. A uh, bit of a timing issue by, by the looks of it, just from brief watching. Um, I... His slump is, is is surprising based on the year he had last year, but in terms of his career, it's he's he's kind of just regressing to the norm of pre twenty seventeen. But I mean, there's still time for him. He's still a pretty good first baseman in terms of defense. He makes a lot of picks that most guys can't. So I appreciate that's about him. And uh, yeah, he'll hit home runs for us. But I mean, he'll come back. He's fine. Yep. <laughs> That's really all there is to say about both of them. I mean, they're supposed to be in the lineup to hit dongs, and they hit dongs. They're obviously going to slump from time to time when it comes to their batting average or being able to draw walks or even their fielding play might become questionable. Maybe not so much for Smoke, but Salarte. I would say we're kind of seeing a little bit of that. But, I mean, look, these are the guys we're paying to hit home runs. Yeah. And they're not they're not hitting as many home runs as we'd like for them to hit. So, yeah, they'll they'll bounce back. It'll be fine. Quickly here, these last two guys, uh, T. Oscar Hernandez. Uh, we're not going to say sorry to him or not say sorry because he's on a little bit of both sides here. He struck out nine times in his last five games, but at the same time, he's still playing really good baseball. Yeah. And uh, surprise, surprise, Aaron Sanchez got hurt again. Uh, surprise, surprise, it was his finger again. Aaron Sanchez is like that old lady from uh, the movie Happy Gilmore, you know, when they're making the quilts, and she's like, my fingers hurt. Yeah. And then she pulls landscaping duty. Uh, that's Aaron Sanchez. His fingers always fucking hurt and i'm over it like that's just the canadian in me because it's a finger injury like for a hockey player like me it's like get the fuck back out there you know but i understand (laughs) he can't pitch because that's he can't his his fingers hurt whatever they say it's a contusion this time he jammed his finger they i I tried to look and i couldn't find how he jammed that i think it's probably something embarrassing like he probably jammed it in the car door Mm -hmm. or something stupid or the hotel room door he probably tried to snag something and it snagged him instead. So at least it's not a blister. So we mm-hmm. can't. We should not expect him to be out the rest of the season with this finger contusion. But I mean, he said he was having a hard time just gripping the baseball. And I mean, if you can't grip a baseball as a pitcher, you're not going to be able to pitch. So. Yeah. So I mean, he'll he'll spend his ten days on the deal and he'll be back. Patrick, do you think Aaron Sanchez is uh, going to be pitching for the Jays by the end of the year, or are they going to shut him down? No, no, he'll be back. He'll he'll be he'll be fine. It's probably just some stupid finger thing, and it's not a blister. So thank. <laughs> Christ for that. Um, but don't let all of this distract you from the fact that in his last 15 games, 
Teoscar Hernandez has struck out 36% of the time. He, in that time, he's batting 295, which is great. Yeah. He's got four dingers in those 15 games, which is nice. But, man, he has got to look at pitches instead of just swinging for the fences every single time he's He'll at learn. the plate. That's the theme of the yeah, podcast he's, today. He's take more pitches. Yeah, I mean, we're paying we're paying Tasker Hernandez to hit, to hit home runs. He's he's not there to get on base. He's mm-hmm. here to knock guys that are on base in. So I've got no problem with him, in uh, particular, swinging for the fences every time. Yeah. All right. It is time for uh, some number crunching. Uh, advanced stats with uh, Professor Justin Anderson. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? Sierra. It's skill independent ERA. Um, I always say it as S-I-E-R-A, but I know some people say Sierra. I, I, it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. So basically what, what skill-independent earned run average tends or tries to explain is it's a pitching stat. It tries to talk about what the underlying skill of a specific pitcher is. So how well did they actually pitch over the past year? So it's, it, looks, it looks back to the past, and it says, should their ERA have been higher, lower, or was it about right? So there's three big factors in, in Sierra. We'll call it that for short this time. So strikeouts are very good. So pitchers, obviously pitchers with a high strikeout percentage tend to give up weaker contact because they're not giving up contact, and therefore they'll give up less hits. Well, that means equals less guys on base, less yeah. likely of run scoring. Walks are bad, but they're not as bad if you don't allow a lot of them. So there's some guys that, like Corey Kluber is averaging less than a walk per game. So if Corey Kluber is only giving up one walk per nine innings, Sierra is not going to care about that. But yeah. it, it's guys like Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez who are giving up four and a half walks a game. That this stats like, geez, these guys aren't doing what they should be. Um, and then the third one is that balls in play are complicated. Obviously, we have ground balls. Um, we talk about that all the time. Having ground ball pitchers is a good thing, especially in Toronto, because it's less you can't hit a home run on a ground ball unless you're very lucky. Uh, they'll go for hits less often. You'll get double plays on the ground, especially, if, and it helps if, if you're a high walk pitcher but also a high ground ball pitcher aka Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez you get those double plays that help you get out of trouble Mm -hmm. so there's some different aspects of Sierra that that kind of contribute to it Um, there's kind of a ranking scale from 2.90 being excellent to anything over five being categorized as awful Um, in terms of the Blue Jays Jay Happ big surprise has our best Skill independent ERA among qualified starters at three four three. It's actually lower than his ERA, so that's in the uh, great to above average range. Our worst, uh, Mr. Aaron Sanchez, at four point nine eight, is actually the fifth worst among qualified starters in the big leagues. I mean, he was about. I think he was higher until his recent kind of couple of games. Um, Estrada's also up in that worst category um, at a four point seven one. Somebody like Sam Gaviglio, who isn't technically a qualified starter, he hasn't met the innings requirement yet, has a 3.67 Sierra, which would rank him in the top 25 hmm. among qualified starters should he, if he was qualified. So that's something to keep in mind. Is He's got a 421 ERA, but, is, but Sierra says he should actually be lower than that. So it's, it's one of those stats that, like I've talked about FIP before, where it's fielder independent pitching, where it talks about if all factors were equal, this would be his ERA. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a stat that looks to the past, whereas FIP kind of looks to the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of like, what's this guy done over the past year? And obviously, Jay hap has been very good. We know that for a fact. And this kind of just reinforces that, yes, he hasn't been, lo- he hasn't been getting lucky. Mm-hmm. He's actually pitched to this level. So that's kind of what this stat goes for. Um, you won't find it on most sites. I believe you can, you'll probably only find it on places like Fangraphs, which kind of cater to the the nerd in like me, um, in terms of all these advanced stats. Um, but it's a really good indicator if you're looking at like free agents, especially like what did this guy do last year? And so all you'll see a three point two ERA. Wow, that's really good. But then you go look at this stat, and maybe it might be over four, and you're like, okay, so there's some underlying issues here that if all things were considered equal, he would not have pitched as well as the numbers indicate so it seems like pitchers who aren't really strikeout pitchers they put the ball in play ground ball pitchers kind yeah. of thing they'll have a higher sierra than guys like chris sale or jay Happ. yes that basically just strike yeah, like out max so, scherzer has the best yeah. sierra right now so it um, seems like this is a yeah. stat for like if you're a strikeout pitcher you're going to have a really really high yeah. sierra or strike, you should at least that's a really good sierra, mm-hmm. your sierra will be lower than 
than um, everyone else's. So like guys like Chris Sale and Scherzer are in the top five. Kluber's yeah. up there too because mm-hmm. he's averaging .97 walks for nine innings. Yeah, it's nuts. It's the lowest in, in baseball. Yeah. It's crazy. It's awesome. I, I wish we had a part too. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's Sierra. Um, it's kind of complicated. Like I looked at the actual equation for uh, calculating it, and my made kind of made my brain hurt. So I won't go into any of that stuff. But it's it's out there if, if for you for you math nuts who are in, into uh, percentages and stats and all that stuff. It is out there if you go if you want to find it. Patrick, what do you think about ERA? Are you one of those weird baseball fans that think that ERA is an overrated stat, or do you think that it's still pretty valuable stat? Uh, well, I mean, after this segment, I think Sierra is a more valuable mm-hmm. stat just because we just got schooled. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, ERA can be very deceptive. Yeah. If you're a relief pitcher or if you have limited starts, um, not enough time on the, on the diamond, uh, it can kind of be deceptive if it's really low. Like if mm-hmm. you take, for example, like Ryan Tapera right now, I think his ERA is below three. Yeah, I think you're and right. I think yeah, and like Gaviglio, his ERA is four point two one, and there's not really enough data for us to kind of compare the two. Um, obviously, Tapera is older and has more MLB experience, but personally, based on what I just learned about Sierra, I would rather have someone like Gaviglio on the team because he has that lower Sierra number and yeah it's more of an indicator of his quality as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Am I, am I on the right track? Justin? Yeah, you are. Uh, personally, Sierra is good, but it, like I said, it looks to the past, whereas stuff like FIP and XFIP look kind of at the present and near future um, of what should happen to an ERA. So that's why, like if you look at the actual fan graphs, player pages, FIP and XFIP will be in the main area, whereas Sierra is down lower. Um, it's a good indicator, like I said, for somebody like Hap, Estrada, and Sanchez, who have a wealth of work in the big leagues, um, and kind of a reputation and years of pitching that it, it gives you a better idea of how they've performed over their careers. So a guy like Hap has a, 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 a nice Sierra. Um, but for a young guy like Gaviglio, who has not even a full season of work yet, um, looking at his FIP is probably a better indicator of what his ERA will do. Um, so it, it's it's kind of a one of one of these and one of those apples to oranges sort of situation in terms of pitching stats. Uh, but personally, I'm more of a I'm more on the the FIP train than the Sierra. But I still think it is a very useful stat. I use it in fantasy all the time when I'm drafting um, free agents and that kind of thing to see what they've done, and that kind of gives me an idea of, of what I'm getting into. All right, let's talk about the farm here. Um, it's kind of nice having Vladdy Jr. hurt. <laughs> I never thought I'd say that, but now that Vladdy hasn't played for the past couple of weeks, we can focus on some other guys like Biggio, Bichette, Reed Foley. But before we get into those guys, Patrick, uh, there's one guy who has been just mashing the ball so far. Um, tell us a bit about him. We're talking about Jordan Groshen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, wow. He has only played like five games so far. Uh, but he is already nine for nine. Uh, he's got two doubles, two home runs, a 1.478 OPS. Uh, he's getting walks. He's struck out a few times, but I mean, he's hit in every single one of his games so far. This kid, I, I didn't even know who he was, to be honest with you, until we drafted him. And ever since then, I can't wait for him to sort of develop as a player and see him come up and play for the Jays. Yeah, he's nine for nine, nine for nineteen, by the way, not nine for nine. That would be absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, Craig Biggio, or not Craig Biggio? I'm just so used to saying Craig Biggio. I, I used to love yeah. Craig Biggio back in the day. Uh, Kevin Biggio, is it Kevin or Kavon? Kavon, it's I think all it's fancy pronounced. like that. Yeah. Kavon, yeah. Uh, Kavon Biggio. Uh, he's got 16 home runs uh, in Double A New Hampshire, but he's only batting 221 the last 30 days. Is the batting average kind of worrying you a little bit, or the fact that he's still hitting with power is that excite you? Which which side are you on? So he's got a career high already in home runs this season. Um, most of them came a little bit earlier in the year. I think he's kind of suffering a, a little bit of not having Vladdy in the lineup because him and Vladdy were batting back-to-back Yeah. Um, at one point. And obviously with Vladdy out for the last couple of weeks, he's suffered a little bit. I still think Abigio had a great um, April 
and first half of May. I think he's just in a bit of a cold spell. He's he's de- he's developing. I mean, before this season, he wasn't even looked upon as a as a potential major league player. He's still I think he's still ranked as like our 16th prospect mm-hmm. in the organization. So he's got some work to do in terms of um, his swing. He's admitted and he knows. I mean, his dad works with him all off season that he's got a few holes in his swing. And I think pitchers are kind of exploiting that. And, and obviously, Double A is a fastball league. So seeing how he does there is kind of worrisome in terms of if he ever gets promoted to AAA and has to face some nasty breaking pitches, he might struggle a little bit more. Um, but I, it, it's a little bit uh, too early in terms of a Double A player who's 23 um, to kind of make snap judgments about batting 221 over 30 days. I mean, he's still producing runs for the Fisher Cats, and they're playing well. So while he's doing that, I don't think we have to worry about him too much. Let's get to uh, Bo Bichette then. Uh, Patrick will take this one because his average is up to 285. After really struggling over the past couple of weeks, he might have been another uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. casualty there. But he's batting 327 the last 30 days. The big stat that no one really talks about when it comes to Bo Bichette, he's got 24 stolen bases and 30 tries. He's gotten... You know, thrown out six times, which is a little high, not really. But, I mean, 24 stolen bases for a guy hitting 285, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one stat, too, uh, left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching, his average, essentially the exact same. Yep. Um, Patrick, I knew you were a little worried about Bo Bichette when he was slumping, but has he answered your questions now? Or, Yep, definitely. <laughs> I, I definitely feel a lot better about uh, what he's doing now in uh, – in double a i i still i think it's incredible uh how he's been able to turn it around and even though he hasn't stolen a lot of bases uh in the last like 10 days or so he's still like the quantity of stolen bases this guy has already is just it's crazy to me he's already got what 24 yeah in double yeah. a nobody, nobody and talks with the speed it's awesome he's really he's 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 not striking out uh, mm-hmm. as much anymore. His last 10 games, he's only struck out four times. He's only drawn three walks. But his average is 316, which means he's seen the ball better and he's making a lot of quality contact. Not hitting a lot of home runs, not getting a lot of RBIs, but he's putting himself in you know, scoring position mm-hmm. and he's giving the team the opportunity to bring him home. And he's doing all the right things as far as I'm concerned uh, that he should be doing. I'm very curious to see if he can keep up his on-base percentage in AAA uh, when he's going to start to face pitchers who've got more variation as far as their stuff. Because uh, I really don't know if he's seeing you know quality off-speed pitches in AA. But nonetheless, very, very happy with what he's done so far. Uh, and definitely in the last 30 days, he's turned it around. He's done exactly what he needed to do. So good on him. All right, on to the topic that every Jays fan seems to be talking about. Uh, Who are we going to trade? Because, spoiler alert, we're probably going to be trading a lot of guys when the uh, deadline comes around. The one name that has been coming up a lot, uh, Jay Happ. But Josh Donaldson's name has started to surface a lot more than it was at the beginning of the season because those trade rumors were always there with Josh, but it was always like, well, you know what? He's a former MVP. He's a fan favorite. Do we really want to trade this guy? Um, But lately, since he hasn't been really playing that great of baseball, uh, people have been saying, yeah, it might be time to trade Josh Donaldson. Uh, My question to you guys is, does Josh Donaldson have any trade value? Justin? Uh (laughs) You'll see in, in all capitals on our, on our little sheet here that I wrote no value in all caps because, I mean, we, we heard a couple hours ago that he's out for a, he's going to be shut down for three weeks. He had, a, he had a setback. There's a strain in his left RIP calf muscle again. Josh Donaldson having a problem with his calf? Oh, fucking yeah. shocker. I, wow. we, I said to Patrick in our Skype chat, we need to put robot legs on him because there's, at this point, I mean, we, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. Yeah. kind of comes into mind. Um he doesn't have much value right now. He hasn't played well when he, in his very, 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 very limited time this season, and he's been hurt for more than he's been healthy. Um, we should have traded him last year uh, or the off season. Looking at it now, in, in hindsight, uh, being twenty twenty and what it is, um, his def- his performance. <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm not certain whether he's he's declining at this point because we just haven't seen enough of the guy this year. Um, hopefully three weeks that puts us mid July. Yikes. Uh, uh, doesn't leave him much time to build any value up before the deadline. 
if all goes well, he comes back mid July and, and rakes for a week and a half and we can trade him for something. But at this point, it, it kind of seems like we're going to have to keep the guy because what are we going to get anything for him? People will make the argument that something is better than nothing because if he, if if we don't trade him, he's going to have his contract expire and he maybe he doesn't resign. Um, but he's not going to command a big price on the free agent market at this point. Patrick, do you agree? Yes, I think we're at the point now where. Uh, the JD saga in Toronto is going to come to a very unfortunate end Mm -hmm. and it's just going to be him finishing off the season uh, with mediocre numbers compared to his previous seasons. Uh, We're seeing continuous decline. Uh, He's doing all the things that, that, uh, that he, he shouldn't be doing. Uh, at the plate, he's not hitting as many home runs. He's striking out more. He's not getting as many walks. He's not getting on base as much. He's just, the value is almost gone. And these three weeks, we really needed him to come back and just tear the cover off the ball so we could get some kind of value. At this point, it's almost better if Josh Donaldson is shut down for the rest of the year so that we can attempt to re-sign him at a massive discount that we weren't expecting before so that way he can either dh for us or some spot starts at first maybe some spot starts at third when vladdy jr uh, and salarte need a night off or just like at this point our listeners yeah. are going to start like slitting their wrists listening to you guys being all negative nancy's over here like <laughs> well what are we supposed to say like everything's happy josh yeah. Donaldson's a great player we, don't, gonna, we don't know that anymore i'm gonna be positive pedro martinez over here <laughs> and say that guys like it's josh donaldson the name has value to yeah, it that's... his game may not have value but his name has value he's a former <laughs> mvp he is the bringer of rain he is still a marquee baseball player even though it's not showing on the field right now but teams who are in that playoff race are going to be like, you know what? We need to shake things up. We need something to get our fans excited about this playoff push. Let's get a guy like Josh Donaldson with the name value to him, you know? Something that'll get the team excited to be like, you know what? We are going to make a run at this. It might not pay off for the team because they don't watch Blue Jay baseball as much as we do up here in, in Canada, and they'll get Josh Donaldson, and he'll play like garbage. And I mean, I'm not I'm not defending the way he's playing. He's been playing like crap, but I'm saying that the name has value to Josh. Yeah. So we still have that for us because you're right, Josh Donaldson, he is a shell of his former self. But there is going to be one team out there that is going to be like the Jays three or four years ago when we got Tulo, when we got Price, when we got Revere. We were getting just everyone we could at the deadline. There's going to be another team like that. There always is this year that is going to go out and get Josh Donaldson, I think. Uh, when it comes to our pitchers, we know that Jay Happ is probably going to be traded. Let's be real here. Yeah. He's our one good trading block player. But uh, out of these three pitchers, who do you think is most likely to get traded? Uh, Jaime Garcia, Marco Estrada, or Ryan Tapera? Uh, Tapera for sure. Okay. Um, there are lots of teams that need help big time in their bullpens. Um, I know the Diamondbacks were looking at relievers a while ago. And the Rockies, if they're still in contention by come July, they might look at somebody beside, outside of Josh Hader, who is maybe the filthiest relief pitcher in baseball. Um, their bullpen is a burning pile of poop. Um, so Tapera might be a guy that they look to solidify the back end there. And, and I mean, bullpen arms are kind of a dime a dozen. There's a ton of guys out there who can throw hard. Um, but Tapera is kind of locked in this year that he can solidify that late inning role. And that's a valuable spot come competitive baseball in September and October. Yeah, I think, I mean, you said it uh, very very well i think Tapera has that value and i actually i, I want to backtrack for a second because clayton i think you're you're actually you're right about josh donaldson in that he does have value like his name has value and i hope to god that either the pittsburgh pirates the milwaukee brewers or the, the st louis cardinals have that exact same mentality that you just described when it comes mid-July, so we can get something out of Donaldson it's gonna before he, he leaves. Yeah. And I think happen. it's going to be Pittsburgh, and I think we're actually going to get something very surprising out of them. 
Okay, I hope you guys are right. I really do. <laughs> it's yeah. man, again. Bold prediction. And negative Nancy's, man. Josh Donaldson really does have right. value. He I does. I really hope so. He does have value. Uh, let's get to uh, fan mail here, shall we? <laughs> Believe it or not, we do have a fan. Uh, it's Justin's sister. Uh, Reina asked us, what would your dream ballpark giveaway promotion day be? Uh, I'm going to let Justin go yeah. first because you are responsible for our one fan. So, so you get to go first. We'll go with Patrick. I'll, uh, I'll bat third here. So when she texted me this morning with this question, I immediately replied back, replica jerseys that actually fit because I mean, they're, uh, always, yeah. they're always double XL. Yeah. I mean, I, I wear an extra large most times for the length. But I mean, double XL is like a dress. Yeah. Like a, I'm, I'm a, one of those girls in a sundress, just swimming in the damn thing. Yeah. Um. But other, besides that, it would be it would be some sort of like, World Series replica ring would be pretty cool to have. Mm-hmm. I'd like one of those. Um. Yeah, that's that's probably mine. I think the replica jerseys is a pretty pretty big thing for me. So rings <laughs> or jerseys, which one would you rather? Probably the jerseys. That would actually like an actual fitting jersey. Like if I could be like, yeah, I want this extra large. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, here you go. And I'd be like, wow, it's, it fits. I have enough jerseys, but I don't have enough rings. Yeah, zero you rings. Wear the ring actually, though, no, shelf. but I'll put it on my little Blue Jays memorabilia yeah. shelf, and it'll look kind of cool. And maybe <laughs> I'll brag to some people that know know baseball that much that I was on the team. Maybe I'll get away with it. You know, <laughs> and I'll wear it around town. And be Back like, yeah, I played. Yeah, day. I played for the Jays. <laughs> Give me a free beer. Uh, Patrick, what about you? Dream ballpark giveaway. If I was going to the ballpark, uh, specifically the one in Toronto, obviously, uh, I would love to walk into the Rogers Center and be handed a one-of-a-kind Carlos Delgado bobblehead Mm -hmm. with a Canada Day uniform on the bobblehead from, like, the mid to late 90s. You know, the weird ones they used to wear on Canada Day when they played the Expos? Yeah. Because whenever I think of Blue Jay baseball in the 90s, I... I know, like, everybody thinks of, like, uh, Joe Carter, et cetera, et cetera. But I always think of Carlos Delgado, and he never gets enough credit for what he did in Mm -hmm. Toronto during what I guess we could call the down years. Um, Dude finished his career with almost 500 home runs and over 1,500 runs batted in. He was on the team for 11 years, and nobody talks about him anymore, and I don't understand. I really don't. It's kind of sad, yeah. As a Yeah, he hit... Go on. Oh, sorry. No, you're up. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, um, fun little fact about Delgado. He's one of only six MLB players uh, in history to hit 30 home runs in 10 consecutive seasons. Wow. Consistency. Yeah. And he was the fourth player to do that. Wow. Okay, that's that, that's a cool stat. I'm gonna save that one. You guys and your stats. Good God. <laughs> that's cool though. That is did cool. You, did you that's, know that? No, I did not. Yeah, you learned that is really today. cool. Uh, the one thing um, <laughs> it would be cool for a giveaway, uh, giant band aid day, because remember when he hit the uh, Hard Rock Cafe and he cracked it, <laughs> and they put that giant band aid on the yeah, top there. Everyone gets funny. a first twenty thousand people get, get a, a giant band aid. <laughs> uh, for me. I had one, and then I forgot about it with the giant Band-Aid joke. I totally just didn't even realize it. That's the one. What the hell? Oh, and it was really good. Shit. Well, speaking of shit, let's talk about Archie Bradley. Good segue. (laughs) Good segue. We'll come back around to it, guys. How did I just forget that? Oh, I remember. Okay, before shit. Um, As the broadcaster in me, I would want uh, a Buck Martinez wig day. I would want a Buck Martinez wig, or I would want a... Punch Mike Wilner in the face day. I hate Mike Wilner. I th- like I had to. <laughs> I worked a in a little behind the scenes here. I used to work in Estevan, Saskatchewan. Uh, this radio station called CJ 1280. It's CJ 1150 now, and they broadcast all the Blue Jay games. Mm. Uh, and to make extra money on the side during the weekends, because again, I was the morning show host, so I had to be up at like four in the morning. So I couldn't really stay up and board off the games. Uh, I would board off the weekend games, and Mike Wilner would usually do a lot of the weekend games on the radio. I can't stand the point of view that Mike Wilner has when it comes to Blue Jay baseball. That guy, I just, oh, he just bothers me so much. He's a little bit of a homer, but at the same time, he's a negative homer. So he is talking about the Blue Jays, but in a bad way all the time. And I just, I I can't take it. He's shit, which is why we're talking about Archie Bradley. Again, the second good segue in the past two minutes. This is... (laughs) This story is hilarious. I know I read it this afternoon, and then Patrick had sent it to me right away. Basically, we kind of saw it at the same time. So the story goes like this. So Archie Bradley was warming up in the bullpen, and it was almost time for him to come out. It was like a 2-2 count on the batter, and he had to pee. So he runs to the bullpen bathroom, and he's 
emptying his bladder when he uh, excretes a little bit of poop into his pants. So he has to kind of clean himself up. And then they call him into the game, and he goes in and pitches a, a perfect inning, essentially. He gets mm-hmm. out of the jam. So Archie Bradley pitched a uh, inning with a poopy pants. And when he, t- when he came into the dugout and told his teammates that he had, uh, quote-unquote, pooped himself, um, they didn't believe him. <laughs> but it's, 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 a, it's a thing. He was, he was on a podcast, and he was talking about it with the guys. And, yeah, that's quite the story. So, I mean, maybe it's kind of a new superstition for Archie Bradley where he's coming into a jam. He's going to have to go poop himself before yeah. he hits the mound. Worst tradition ever. <laughs> My God. Hey, whatever works for you. <laughs> you're just gonna sit there and laugh, it's Patrick. Quite, it's you're gonna, quite, quite the story. You're I not mean, gonna yeah. add anything to the uh, shit this in his is, pants. This is why we love baseball. We get stuff like this that comes out. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a good baseball story. He's got a great beard. Uh, he he's pitching very well <laughs> mm-hmm. this season. And um, you know what? I'm gonna give him a pass for this one. It happens to a lot of pro athletes. Yep. Well, you see cyclists. They just pee the whole time they're out there they don't have time to stop like Tour de France guys they'll just pee while they're riding their bike okay what's gross. gr- what's grosser this Archie Bradley story or Mo- Moises Alou and some other major leaguers peeing on their hands for uh, <laughs> instead of using batting gloves earlier in the season uh, definitely the peeing on the hands yeah. thing I mean yeah everybody poops right but I mean <laughs> sometimes it happens where you never never trust a fart right and but but I mean will, willingly that- willingly hey. peeing on yourself Happens to the best of us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty easily avoidable. <laughs> I just want to know how Moises Alou found that out. Like, was he just like missed one day when he's at the toilet and pees on his hands, goes up, hits a dinger afterwards? Like, wow, this really works. Oh, and this is that's great. based on a true story. That is true, by the way. You can Google it if you <laughs> yeah, want yeah, to. Oh, yeah, for it sure doesn't it is, sound yeah. real, but yeah, Moises it's Alou, uh, huge weirdo. Uh, we'll end it on that note, I guess. <laughs> Who would have thought we would end the podcast on a Moises Alou joke today? If you would have put money on that. Congratulations. I guess odds were not very good on that. I don't know who bets on podcast jokes, but if you do, you should probably seek some help or something like that. You might have a gambling addiction when that happens. Uh, On behalf of uh, the Brett Laurie Fan Club Vice President, Justin Anderson, uh, and the uh, Maritime Mistress Maker, Patrick Marsh, Uh, this is Clayton Croker, uh, Episode 4, Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It is in the books. Thanks for listening wherever you are, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. 